Welcome to Insignium Bits, conversations about breakthrough, innovation, and transformation. Hi there, and welcome to Insignium Bits. I'm John Ball, Director of Content at Insignium. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Michelle Keefe, Chief Executive Officer of Cineos Health and a member of the company's board of directors, about the changing paradigm of leadership and how she's shattering conventions through radical transparency, embracing failures, and crafting unforgettable employee experiences. Prior to joining Cineos Health in 2017, Michelle served as Global Group President and Chief Development Officer of Publicis Health. She also spent 20 years at Pfizer with increasing levels of responsibility, culminating in a role as regional president. As a champion for inclusive collaborative cultures, Michelle is the executive sponsor of the Women of Cineos Health ERG, as well as the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council and Cineos Health's Rising Star and Luminary Employee Recognition Program. She serves as a member of the Healthcare Business Women's Association Global Advisory Board and holds a BS in marketing from Seton Hall University. Without further ado, Let's get into the conversation. Ms. Keith, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. We are thrilled to have you as part of our podcast and to feature you as the cover story in our summer issue of Insignium Quarterly. Uh, as you know, the theme is about the changing paradigm of leadership. And so the first question I have for you is just a little bit of background about you for our audience. Love to know what your professional journey has been like and what brought you to Cineos Health. So first of all, you know, John, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation today. So, you know, I've been with Cineos now for about six years. I'm almost on my sixth anniversary and I joined Cineos health because I spent my whole career in life sciences and in pharmaceutical, many on the commercial side of the business, sales, value and access on both the customer side. You know, I spent many years at Pfizer and then working on the life sciences services side of the business. And I joined Cineos because I thought we were doing something really special here, which was really thinking about having a product development mindset to everything that we do, really thinking about the patient as the Mm -hmm. patient is going through their journey from clinical all the way through, whether you're a clinical development all the way through commercialization. So wherever you are as a patient on your journey, whether you're participating in a clinical trial or whether you're a patient looking for therapy because of uh, either an issue you're having or a chronic disease you're trying to, to balance and manage that I thought it was really important to be able to work in a company that was really thinking about solutions for the mm-hmm. benefits of patients. And so could not not take advantage of that opportunity. It was just too good of an opportunity. And now I have been the CEO for a little over a year and it's really been very rewarding rewarding to see our strategy come to life for the benefit of our customers. That's fantastic. You mentioned starting your career at Pfizer, and you do have such a distinguished career, especially within this space. If you look back over the course of your career, how do you see leadership within this sector evolving within, you know, the biopharmaceutical and clinical research business? How have you seen that change and evolve over your career? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, we're in an industry that's moving at the speed of light. I mean, the science is just absolutely fantastic. The ability to not just treat diseases anymore, but actually cure diseases is, you know, something that's been really exciting for me to get to watch over the last 30 years. The one thing that's been true the whole time I've been in this industry is that trust and transparency in the workplace and the top pharma companies and within the companies like Cineos that support our life sciences clients, that that's really 
really critically important because at the end of the day, we are developing products for the benefit of patients and you have to have that trust and transparency with your stakeholders, right? So I think that is something that hasn't changed. I do think there's been an ever-increasing over time appreciation for the imperative to build an inclusive environment, whether it's within your own organization as leaders, to support your efforts for the benefit of patients. Because really thinking about the diverse patient populations across a variety of disease states and how you're really thinking about developing these medicines to benefit these different diverse populations is critically important that we're able to deliver solutions that support any patient through their journey, regardless of what country they come from, what race they are, et cetera. So I think it's really something that I've seen us as leaders spend a lot of time on. And, you know, when you build diverse teams with different experiences and perspectives and people come from different backgrounds, you get better solutions, right? Because you have true insights in regards to the patient populations you serve. So I do think that's something else that I think is kind of changing the paradigm of leadership, a real lens around the value of diversity and how important it is in the work we do as life sciences companies. In addition to diversity and inclusion, which I know are very important to you, you had also mentioned that trust and transparency are really critical for being that high-performing leader. I'm curious what your insights are for creating that environment that is really focused on trust and transparency. Well, that's a really great question. It's not easy to do, but it's imperative, right? And so this is not something that's easy, right? I think that's really important. You'll hear people say, you know, we built a trusting environment. We're very transparent in our communications. And I say, that's great, but you have to be super intentional about it. And the reason I say that is that how you build trust over, it it takes time. It's not something that just happens magically, right? And and Mm -hmm. so it's a couple of things, right? You build trust when you do what you say, right? When you actually do what you say you're going to do. You build trust when you are equally communicating things that are really positive in a scenario and also very realistic about what's not so positive about a scenario Mm -hmm. you might be managing through or leading through, right? It's that It's what I call that radical candor, right, that they know that your group of employees and your colleagues or the customers you're working with know that you're being truly authentic and sharing information for the benefit of clarity. Right. And when people Mm -hmm. feel like they have good information and that you are really trusting them with that information, that does build trust. Right. So it's that consistency and do what you say and make sure you're you're keeping people up to date. I think that's really important. I think transparency is really important, too, because nobody likes surprises, right? Right. Nobody likes to be surprised. And, you know, we are in a world where many times there are things that are confidential and you can't share it. But saying that, I understand why this is important to you. I understand why you're asking these questions. I'm not in a position at this time to be able to share more information with you, but you have my commitment that when I can, I will. Mm -hmm. And that I will give you information real time when I have it. And I think when you do that, you build a collaboration across colleagues that says every single colleague in the organization matters. Every single leader in this organization understands that keeping me up to date and trusting me to help be part of the solution, even when there's challenging times ahead of you, drives, I think, retention, drives better employee engagement. And is the kind of company I think many companies aspire to. I mean, when you think about 
the changing workforce, the changing generations, the difference in what people value, right? Like the things that my parents' generation valued are different than what I value. And the things that my daughter's generation values are different maybe than some of the things that I value. But the one thing that is consistent is explaining what you can explain and giving people the why and the information. I think when you feel connected to your organization because you feel like you know what's going on and that you have a very transparent leadership team, you're much more likely to be much more engaged in your work and will do your best work for your company and for your customers. Right. That makes a lot of sense. You had mentioned engagement. One of the things I was curious about asking you as well is there seems to be a sea change moving away from the top down authoritative leadership structures to leadership environments or just corporate environments that are much more focused on collaboration and empathy and some of those soft skills that I think often get overlooked, but really are key to nurturing that engagement that you're talking about. Is that something that you're seeing as well? And how does that show up within Cineos? John, you're talking about a lot of things that I spent a lot of time thinking about, right? And I think it's really important because people might call something a softer skill. But I could tell you that when I think about being able to really focus on what it is that drives employee engagement, right? Some flexibility in, in the way they work, right? Giving them flexibility in where they work, when they work in the office, when they work at home, some flexibility around what they do during the day, right? You know, you have some people who what I would call developing professionals, some of our newer colleagues, they're very, very focused on wanting to give back to the communities that they work in and they want to be able to go, you know, do something in the middle of the afternoon occasionally to support either any an organization that they feel strongly about, do volunteer work, you know, whatever it is that's really, really important to them and really empowering them to know that they have goals for the company and they have goals for themselves. And we want them to be in perfect balance that you can mm-hmm. achieve your goals for your organization, but you can achieve your goals personally. And we're going to support you in that. Right. And so how we've spent a lot of time on that and the power of this, I think a lot of companies do this, but really unleashing the power of having employee resource groups is important. We have nine employee resource groups that have executive sponsorship, right? So they have executive sponsors to make sure that they're able to bring information and requests up to the senior leadership, but also they're, but they're very self-driven. And they're very focused on leadership opportunities in there to be able to lead in those ERGs and make sure everybody at Cineos has an opportunity to understand what unique value you bring because of your diverse background and because of the way you think about the world and and the work that we do. You can call it a softer scale, but I can tell you when I see how engaged these employees are and what I call it's their discretionary effort, right? The discretionary effort they put forward to help the company achieve its goals, to make sure our customers are getting what they need and to making this a great place to work and that everybody feels included at Simeos because there's mm-hmm. always a place for them to be their unique self. Highly engaged employees deliver better results for business. You know, we all talk about socially, it's important. You want to do the right thing socially and make sure you're supporting your colleagues across whatever it is that they're going through in their life or what they believe in their life and how they want to live their life. That's all very important. But creating the environment where they could be their unique self actually gets you better business outcomes. It's Mm -hmm. actually a beautiful thing to watch. Like when you see how engaged these employees are, that they know that they're in an organization that is accepting of who they are and is leveraging their uniqueness through their diverse thinking about a particular opportunity or challenge. And then you see how it translates to the business results. It's really amazing. And that drives a lot of employee retention. 
helps us develop our own colleagues long term, gives them opportunities for leadership development. And I think it's been called a soft skill, but I actually would say it's as important as the numbers on the spreadsheet. Hmm. Excellent. I, I really respect that point of view and I agree with you. And just shifting a little bit in terms of the business itself, I've read that Sineos is focused on initiatives in, in four key areas. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, strategic business development, improving visibility, increasing efficiency and clinical reimagined, which is an initiative mm-hmm. that I believe Sineos launched in 2022 to streamline its processes and reduce complexity of your operating model. Can mm-hmm. you provide any or just elaborate terms of progress being made in these areas? Sure. So we're very ambitious because we are a very ambitious organization because the patient is waiting, right? That's the way we think about it. And so in the past few years, we've launched all those initiatives that you've talked about. And just to give you a little like anchoring on them, they're all to modernize and simplify the organization, right? So we, we say we want Cineos to be easy to work for and easy to work with. And we want to make sure that we're bringing the most innovative solutions to customers based on the opportunities that they're trying to take advantage of or the problems that they're trying to solve, right? That's really how we're thinking about these initiatives that we've put in place to accelerate our performance. So our new operating model is very much around accelerating the development of clinical development tools and data applications. You know, we're focusing on statistical modeling to improve site performance and enrollment. We're looking at the use of AI and machine learning to better detect risks and issues in clinical trials. And we really believe these investments are closing some of the competitive gaps that maybe we did have versus the competition. But more importantly, they're showcasing our differentiators in our proposals and and how we show up in front of customers for new business. We've always had industry-leading therapeutic and scientific talent and expertise And we're continuing to invest in that because we believe it's really important that they do that very focus on scientific talent and therapeutic expertise gives better solutions for our customers. It helps with a better delivery of the work we do. And we believe it's one of the differentiators where our customers choose us. And the thing that's really encouraging to me is, as you can imagine, I talk to customers a lot and I spend a lot of time understanding where they're going as an organization. What are they trying to accomplish? The world is changing so quickly. The digital evolution across the whole clinical development and commercialization continuum is moving at the speed of sound. And I'm constantly talking to our customers to understand what they're trying to accomplish. And many of the things that we are focused on are things that they are, right? And so Mm -hmm. we're really trying to partner with them to develop things that will help them achieve their goals, as well as make sure that we stay differentiated and in a leadership position versus our competition. Right. That makes sense. And that's funny that you say that because that is something that I feel like I hear a lot in my conversations with executives is the role that AI is playing and Mm -hmm. how they foresee integrating that into their organizations. I think you're collaborating with Microsoft. Is that right? To accelerate AI? Yes, we are. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, sure. So we have this business unit called Tech and Data Solutions, and they're very focused on how do they use data and insights to drive better outcomes for all of our customers. So, you know, we've been watching this AI revolution. You know, it's underway in life sciences. It's creating new opportunities to harness data-driven insights. It's absolutely going to enhance performance, effectiveness, and efficiency. And so we are AI-enabled today. 
which is great. Our new AI-enabled model is fueled by what I call human expertise married with the insights that we get from generative AI. So I think it's really important that it's the partnership between using AI to give you a much better data-driven starting point and then using our human expertise to accelerate outcomes for our customers, right? So that's kind of the way we think about it. And the collaboration with Microsoft is allowing us to deliver technology and data solutions that is accelerating clinical development. It is elevating the commercial performance of our customers where we're using it. And it is helping us be smarter about designing and executing clinical trials, right? Because everyone is thinking about how do you get a clinical trial done faster? Because if you can do it faster, patients get the option for therapy quicker. That's excellent. You referenced the human element in that, and I think that's incredibly important as well, especially in an organization I'm sure like yours. How do you find that right balance of making sure that you've got, you know, the tools and capabilities to deliver for patients, but at the same time, you know, you're a human-driven organization. It really is about the people. Is that a challenge, kind of finding that perfect balance in between the two? Well, I don't think it's a challenge. I think it's an opportunity. And the opportunity is to bring the, the the brilliant people in my organization to helping us think about that. And that's exactly what we're doing, right? So we're taking our top talent across multiple disciplines, whether it's our data scientists, whether it's our people in our technology and data BU, whether it's the leaders in the business. And we're, we're talking about steps along the way in regards to clinical development, all the way through medical affairs, and then ultimately commercializing assets. We're saying, What are the steps that occur right now? What's the analysis that occurs right now that is cumbersome, that Mm -hmm. takes way too much time, that can be automated, or we can kind of give you a head start? That's the way I think about AI. It gives you a really good head head start, right? It's giving you, it's allowing you to collate reams and reams and reams of data to, Mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know, here's your starting point on what your insights are for this particular problem you're trying to solve. So let's just say we're talking about you know, patient recruitment, where are the patients we need in a certain disease state? And you think about, you might have spent, you know, weeks thinking about how you could collect all the data, collate all the data, review all the data. Now you have a starting point where with what took you weeks is now taking you hours. And now you really, now you're marrying that with the human expertise of knowing I've done, you know, a hundred Crohn's disease clinical trials. And so here's my, here's all of Cineo's health actual expertise in that particular therapeutic area. Now I'm marrying it with this ream of data that now is being handed to me in a very simplified fashion. And I can marry that expertise and where I see differences in the data. I can explore a little bit more to understand why, where I see alignment in the data. It just reinforces that it's the right thing to do. And I think it allows people to do their best work. Nobody likes to do mundane, boring things. People want to do creative things. They want to be curious about their work. They want to be intellectually challenged. They want to bring their best thinking to their customers. And this is, this allows them to do that. I actually think it makes the work you do all day more fun and actually helps you get a better outcome for your patients and for, for customers. And so I think I can tell you at Sydney's Health, our people are really excited about getting low-value work and low-value activities off of their plate so that they could use their expertise that they've developed over years for the benefit of their customers. And so I think it's it's going to be phenomenal for companies that have really talented people. You marry it with with this capability. I think it's going to be really fun to watch what these collaborative cultures can accomplish for, for patients. Yeah, really it does. It, you know, 
it's interesting the way you frame it. It seems like it's a tool to boost engagement, which is not something necessarily that I hear other companies talking about, right? It's- yeah, John, everybody talks about this is going to create efficiency. This is going to do this. And again, <laughs> right. I get that that is probably very true, but that's not why I'm excited. I'm excited because this will make our smart people shine even brighter and it'll allow us to innovate faster, right? Think about, you know, the right. process of innovation, thinking, you know, a lot of innovation happens. Like it's not like you wake up in the middle of the night and say, Oh, I thought of an idea. I mean, that happens, but what usually happens is it's a compilation of ideas you've had over time. And then you kind of have that aha moment. And if you have more time to think about things, you're going to have more aha moments. Mm-hmm. And and that I think is what's going to create the continue to drive the innovation engine that all companies are trying to do for the benefit of patients. Every single pharma company I work with is trying to figure out how they get clinical trials done quicker, obviously in a safe and effective and, and with a high quality fashion, of course, you know, mm-hmm. in the, with under the umbrella of patient safety, mm-hmm. and then. How do they, how do they get more relative content in front of prescribers to understand the value of each medicine and how it matches to the right patient? And mm-hmm. if we, if we can make it easier for people to do that, more people are going to get treated and we're going to have better outcomes. I mean, I think it's a very exciting time to be in life sciences. Oh, that's fantastic. Segwaying just a little bit to your, your personal leadership experience in your career. I mm-hmm. have to tell you, I was reading this article in, um, Harvard Business Review recently and it was it, this group of executives were surveyed and I think it was 70% said that failure or learning from failures has been one of the strongest teachers that they have had. And, you know, I'm looking at your career and it's been so distinguished from Pfizer to Cineos. And you've been part of these huge transformations. I'm curious if you experienced any setbacks in your career. And if so, you know, what did you take away from those, those experiences and apply those learnings? John, that's a great question. I can give you an example, like earlier in my career. And then, I mean, this past year has been an experience, right? I've had right, some setbacks right. <laughs> since I've been CEO. But early in my career, you know, I was at Pfizer. There was a job that I was very, very interested in. And I really thought I applied for the job. I, I thought I interviewed well. You know, I didn't get the job and somebody else did who's actually still one of my best friends to this day. And, you know, I was really disappointed because I really felt like I was the right person for the job at the right time. And, you know, I could have done one of two things. I could have taken the feedback and made a lot of excuses for, for why that me at that time. And, and the person who got the job had moved around a lot more. I loved sales at Pfizer. I was in the sales force for a long time. I did a lot of things at Pfizer, but early in my career, I was in sales for the first decade of my career in sales and sales leadership. And I never wanted to leave because I loved it. Mm -hmm. And that was a big learning for me because the person who got the job had a much more of what I would call a horizontal career, right? Had learned a Mm -hmm. lot more, had been in HR, had been, had done a, uh, an international stint, et cetera. And although I felt like I failed, because I didn't get the job I wanted, it was a huge lesson around the value of getting diverse experiences. And then I really became very focused on broadening my experience base. So I think that was an important learning for me in early days that sometimes you have to go horizontally before you could go vertically mm-hmm. <laughs> to the top, right? So, so right. I think that that was a really, like that was a setback that could have really set me back, right? But I chose to kind of take the learning. I think that's excellent. And that's really good advice, I think, for people who are aspiring to attain the same level of leadership that you have and also share your same point of view. I think that's that's 
a great way to kind of frame someone's future leadership journey. So I appreciate you sharing that insight with us. Thanks. Jeff. One question. Yeah, absolutely. I always ask, and I probably sound like a broken record is what excites you? That could be about leadership. It could be about, you know, Cineos, what you're working on in the organization, kind of what are you most excited about and what's keeping you up at night? Ah, uh, yes. So I'm really excited about this mashup of, you know, generative AI and human expertise. Like, I, I am really excited about what that's going to bring for clinical development and commercialization. I really think it's it's really going to be exciting to see how the life sciences business evolves over time. I mean, I think about, wow, I mean, we could be in a world where clinical trials that, you know, are five to seven years or two years. I started right. thinking about, you know, how much quicker we're going to be able to develop medicines and get them on the market and get to patients who, who really, really need it. So I get really excited about what I'm seeing in the transformation that I'm seeing going on right now in life sciences. And I'm so excited to be part of it. I said, that's absolutely what, what excites me the most. You know, what keeps me up at night, I'm always thinking about how I retain our top talent. Mm-hmm. Always thinking about that, right? We're in a, we're in an environment where there's lots of options, right? There's lots of options for people. And, and I think about all the investments we make in people and how important they are to Cineos Health and our, and our success. And, you know, so as a CEO, what keeps me up at night is am I doing everything I can to engage the hearts and minds of my talent so mm-hmm. that they, so that they see Cineos Health as not just a place to work. They see it as their career destination. And they mm-hmm. see it as a place where they can develop their career and do so many things. I really challenge myself on that. You know, it's always good to bring in new talent from different places and get diverse thinking from outside the industry. And as, as positions open up or as you grow and you need to hire new people, you could always bring in that diverse thinking. But I'm always thinking about we've made so much investment in our people. How, how do we continue to keep them here? You know, in a, right. in a marketplace right now where there are lots of options. And so I do think about that. How do I make this the best place to work? So nobody could ever say like that anybody would even think about leaving goes, do I really want to leave here? This is the best job I've ever had. Like right. that's what keeps me up at night. Can I get this company a hundred percent of the time to that level? Oh, I love that. I, this is not happening soon. I know there are many chapters in your story as a leader and as a CEO yet to be written, but looking ahead, pretend with me, you're on a beach in the future, you're basking under the sunlight, you're reflecting on your career. What do you hope that your legacy would be? So, you know, it, this is going to sound super simple, right? I mean, I know people probably give you these amazing, amazing, amazing answers. <laughs> You've but, given me lots uh, of great answers. Uh, but, but, <laughs> It's going to be really simple that everybody who ever worked in an organization where I was leading it, whether I was their direct boss or whether I was leading a large piece of business like I am now as the CEO of Cineos Health, says, you know, I worked in this company and Michelle Keefe was my boss. Michelle Keefe was the CEO. Michelle Keefe was the division head. And she created the best career experience I ever had in my whole career. That's what I want people to say about me. That's powerful, and that can't be underscored enough. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. Well, thanks, John, for your time. It was really enjoyable to talk with you today. Over 30 years ago, Insignium pioneered the field of organizational transformation. Please continue to our library in the episodes page of your podcast tool of choice.